0: Well, welcome, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me once again today. Always a pleasure to have you with me as we interview top advisors and authors about their tips, ideas, and precautions for business owners. And joining me today is John Grayson. John's been with us. It's been a few years since he's been with us before. And last time, I recall, we talked about using demographics as tea leaves to read the economy. So we'll see what John has in store for us again today. John, welcome. Thanks so much for joining me once again today.
1: Good to be with you again, Bill.
0: Hey, John, uh, it's been a while since you've been on the show, and uh, we really enjoyed the last interview. Tell Tell our listeners a little bit about you and your background and what you've been up to.
1: Well, uh, we've been up to trying to prepare people for the good, the bad, and the unforeseen, I think, starting in 2019. And uh, that's uh, we actually started doing that in 2007, Bill, which I, I think, you know, what do they say? Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. And uh, the way we, <laughs> right. yeah, I, I was talking to someone like you, you know, always looks at things, makes great observations, and said, you know, 2000 to 2002, that was a 50% loss. Suppose it happens again, and, and let's just be ridiculous, and suppose it happens in the next, in, In the next 10 years, I'm like, ooh. That's a good question. Notice they're not predicting anything. What they're saying is, suppose what happened before happens again. And I like that logic. So we, uh, we started with our largest account at the time, January of '07, a $10 million pension plan, and went to the trustees and said, look, we want to make some changes to your portfolio. Well, they said, uh, we'll get back to you, you know, life changes, and there were some births, some deaths, and we didn't see them again until 2009. Now you can imagine they're mad as hell. But here, Here's where it gets a little more interesting uh, you know the markets off 37 many retail accounts as you know off 40 to 45 percent their portfolio as it was was off 14 percent and I said well geez folks have you looked at your retail accounts because 14 isn't bad but let's go back because a couple of things uh, need to be brought to your attention one we were here in January of 2007 and we've been keeping track of what we suggested relative to how you could make some changes to the portfolio And every quarter, my uh, math man has been sending your CFO a comparison between what you have and what you would have had on a quarterly basis, so that you can see that you know the progress has has been made or the disparity over time. And now we're what uh, a couple of years later, and the difference is over three million dollars. And the distinction, Bill, was that in the proposed recommendations, the reality would have been the loss would have been limited to four percent, which of course is even easier to get uh recovering back from 14 percent, and again compared to the market at 37 and most accounts at 40 uh, i i'm all smiles saying to them geez we tried to help you get ready for this you weren't ready to talk about it i guess we have your attention now so here we are deja vu all over again
0: here we are again and you know there's a lot of uh i don't know Wild news going on. You, you know, the, the economists on one side are saying, well, a recession's coming, and you have Bank of America saying, no, we don't see it. And the administration, of course, is, is just uh, plowing out the smoke to try to, you know, uh, there's nothing to see here. Uh, what are your tea leaves telling us now?
1: Well, uh, let me say it this way. I would say avoid drinking my friend Larry Kudlow's uh, Kool-Aid. Don't drink the Kudlow Kool-Aid, okay? He has a job, and uh, folks who have a job want to protect their job. They certainly want to please their boss, so let's understand that's their numero uno priority period full stop okay right. with the folks who manufacture product okay if i own a mutual fund company or i underwrite stock bill w- when do you think i'm going to tell you it's not a good time to buy stock can you think of a time i might come up with that
0: uh, when it's when it's at the all-time highs when it's right well it's...
1: what i'm saying is if i if i'm manufacturing if i'm a realtor right when's a when's not a good time oh, okay. to buy a house if i'm a stockbroker or my company manufactures stocks or we have a whole lot of assets under management the last thing i want to do is uh scare everybody right so i, I think part again it's part of my job my requirement to say hey, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain or Kellyanne conway the, the woman behind the curtain uh, everything's just fine is and, and then let's just notice this. We can observe that there have been, what, two fifty percent losses or so in, in the same decade, 2000, 2002, 2008, 2009. Who said that was going to happen? So let me just point out, it doesn't matter who's right. It matters who's ready. So we don't care what they have to say. What I'm saying is do not be surprised to see a, uh, and we're preparing our clients accordingly, like we started in 07, because we would not be surprised to see a 27% loss this year. Now, let's just go back a bit because fourth quarter 2018, who recognized in advance that there was going to be a 20% loss September 20, 21st to Christmas Eve? Nobody. And was that a rude awakening? Oh, yes, it was. But for folks who were prepared, we can see the evidence that their losses at that time was about 6 or 7%. That's a lot better than 20 Certainly easier to recover. So that's my point. The, the president didn't suggest we were going to see a stock market loss. <laughs> Larry Kudlow didn't. Nobody from Merrill Lynch, Bank of America, Charles Schwab. So And the point is, if the investor is willing to do the work and use technology, it may be that they can define or or at least describe what kind of loss they could live with and then see what they can do uh, to see how their portfolio performed. And the last piece is to look at how you can design a portfolio that might perform within your risk-loss parameters so that no matter what the market does you can sit back cool calm and collect it because you're you know 15 twenty uh, percent within your high water mark you're, you're not going down like the Titanic
0: do you find that a lot of people have been pushed out onto uh, outer branches of the tree if you will because of the the absence of safe uh, safe uh, alternatives that have any type of a yield. And, you know, we're, we're talking about potentially negative interest rates in the future, like this right. is happening in, in Europe. Um, yep. do, you think, do you think people have uh, uh, ventured too far out onto the limbs uh, and they, they need to do a reality check at this point?
1: Absolutely. Without question, and and one of the ways that you can really see that is in the debt level. And I think we were as consumers in 2008. My number is about 13 trillion. The last time I looked, uh, that was just a week ago. Uh, consumers are now at 14 trillion dollars. That's all debt, you know, credit card, houses, and whatnot. House house mortgages are higher than they were back in 2008. And I mean, there was a, a gentleman I happened to follow who was with. Uh, uh, with uh, the 168 firm year old firm that failed uh Brian Skozy and he says you know what what have we learned uh in in the in the great recession and he said squat i think he's right so yeah everybody's taking on more debt everybody's thinking that all trees grow to the sky uh everybody's believing that uh, the road to riches is, is is an easy one and all we need is good news and we can just make this thing go but but now let's look at it this way bill This is a part of the puzzle that I think uh, certainly fascinates me, and that is we we get so lost in the politics, right? Blue, red, good, bad. Well, wait a minute. Let's look Mm -hmm. at the ordinary behavior of people. Fourteen, by the way, is the age at which most of us consume the most potato chips in life. (laughs) Forty is the age at which you bought the most potato chips for your average 14-year-old in life. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. No. I mean mm-hmm. that's just watching the pattern of ordinary people. So here we are today globally. We have more people sixty five years old and older than we do five and younger. Huh? Mm-hmm. When mm-hmm. has that happened mm-hmm. for? Never. I mean, thousands of years, I don't know how far back it goes, but thousands of years, there's always been babies. So it helps understand, for example, why uh, a good uh, family friend from Argentina went to Italy for a wedding, took their one-year-old, could not find baby diapers in any supermarket. They could find adult diapers. (laughs) So, what I'm trying to say is, regardless of those who say the economy is just fine, and just watch me, I'm your guy, we're going to make this puppy grow at 4, 5, 6%, and we all go, oh my goodness, that sounds so good. But at the end of the day, we, you know, if you're retired at 65, <laughs> and um, you sold your big house in, in, at 78, and we die in the mid-80s. Here comes 76 million people on that path. And for the first time ever, the U.S. of A. will suddenly wake up to you know 25% of the population that's gone to heaven. Now, what can you buy? Okay. Cash or credit? you know it's not doom and gloom it's uh that's you can't buy anything so right now we've everybody's excited oh the consumer's saving the day yes but let's go back let's look to see how they're doing it it ain't cash it's all credit
0: at Mm -hmm. some point
1: that stops Mm -hmm. and then it breaks
0: yeah yeah it's 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 a it's a cycle it repeats itself like you said but the things that are different are the demographic trends and uh, like you mentioned uh, in the and I've read this before that that in the person a person's forties they're spending as much money as they're going to spend and you illustrated that so well with potato chips but uh, it, it's RVs it's houses it's travel it's it's everything that they're doing and now we're uh, at, as a country we're on the other side of that average as far as our population is concerned so the trends uh, and, and it, you know there, there's also uh, people that say well. That just means there's more people uh, that are going to be doing things like leisure and travel and things like that. Is is that realistic to think?
1: Yes, but let's just look at it like this. It's very reasonable. It's very logical, but it's also 100% optional.
0: When you're in your Mm, 40s, you had
1: kids on average. You could not make enough money. (laughs) <laughs> you could not spend enough money, right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I mean right. the average household income in America is what sixty four sixty five thousand dollars a year that 's where there are one or two people are working. Your audience makes far more than that, but it doesn 't matter when you have kids because they eat up everything <laughs> mm-hmm, and then they 're yeah. gone, <laughs> and now your spending other than health care is almost a hundred percent optional
0: mhm. That's a really, really good point. And a lot of that, of course, you know, you think about travel and uh, I see, you know, I've been out uh, on vacation like a lot of people over the summer and see people in these mammoth RVs, they're paying uh, $4 a gallon for gas wondering, you know, wouldn't it be cheaper to stay in a a hotel somewhere, uh, all that gas. But, of course, uh, so like you say, a lot of that is is optional spending. Uh, I guess what... uh, The big question on a lot of people in that age group's mind is, where do I go to get income?
1: Oh, that's a good question. And, and let me back up a bit. I was talking about the. I was trying to get the firm name. Uh, now I remember it's um, um, Lehman Brothers. 168 years. I mean, that's that's been around for a minute, right? 600 billion in assets, like some similar to the same amount in debt. Notice that combination. Sound familiar? And and boom, they're gone. So yeah, when it comes to income, what we would say is the first thing that folks need to do is if you're on approach for retirement, the question becomes, what's your target? I mean think of it this way. Let's go back. Sixty five thousand is roughly the average household income. Let's suppose you say I wanna retire at seventy, whatever the age might be, and you look at social security and you're expecting twenty grand. Okay, that helps. It doesn't cover, but it helps. I'm forty grand short. So today what that means is if I'm going to abide by the four percent rule, which of course says that I think I can see a yield of four percent, we'll talk on that. You know, what amount of money do I need to put in a place where the yield is four percent? Will give me the difference of forty grand, and that answer is one million dollars. Mm-hmm. Okay. How many of us, okay, can put our hands on one million dollars today? Not very many. Mm-hmm. Not very right. many at all. In fact, one of the last reports I saw suggested only ten percent of boomers are prepared. With that kind of money on the sidelines. And let's just go back and look at the folks, the government workers, right, uh, educated, highly, uh, the, you know, well compensated. And all of a sudden, they're 30 days out from being able to pay the rent. Really? and Is it, is it really the truth that 40% of us can't put our hands on $400? Hmm. And it's a great economy, right? <laughs> great economy. Best economy ever. No, nope, it's not. <laughs> so when you, first mm-hmm. you want to see the target. Then if you're trying to produce that income of 40000 that that suggests that we design the portfolio where we're using primarily high-dividend paying stocks you know, to produce a yield of 4%. And now you know, no matter what the market does, I, I think it's reasonable to expect $40,000 from a million-dollar account. And and if it is the case, and it's not, but if it is the case that, you know, ideally my value sees no less than a million and I don't take out more than 40000 well, this will probably last as long as I last. Mm-hmm. That's the question. And then you want to fold in some things like alternative uh, vehicles, some liquid, some Ill- illiquid. But the point is, if we go back to '08, we can look at institutions like Yale Endowment, for example, and we can see mm-hmm. that their portfolio mm-hmm. is vastly different than the retail investor's portfolio. I, I mean, there's no big bets here. Uh, the biggest bet, I think, is 17%, and that's for venture capital, a position that most retail investors don't even know anything about. So my point is right. we want to have um, active management strategies to keep the losses limited where possible in a bad year and then be fully invested back in a good year. The second part of the puzzle is to have uh, position legs under your portfolio stool, not two legs, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, but maybe four or five or six or seven. Yale has eight asset classes, I count. That's a pretty substantial stool (laughs) with eight legs under it. So they're trying to cover their bets. Yeah, so that no matter what happens, they can maintain their consistency, which is, as you read, their history. That is one of their, their principles.
0: I don't know that I, if I can name eight different asset classes. I mean, stocks, bonds, alternatives, uh, including real estate, uh, uh, hedge hedge type investments. What, what else might go into that, John?
1: Well, uh, we like uh, private equity where it makes sense. Uh, We like business development corporations. Uh, We're not high on uh, residential real estate. And and let me just touch on that for a minute. Again, going back to watching the behavior of ordinary people. Hmm. uh, What have we been taught? It's about inventory. It's about location. uh, It's about interest rates. I'm going to tell you that's all bogus. I'm going to say to you it's watching the ordinary buying behavior of individuals. Okay? So what does that mean? 31 is the age at which most Americans bought their starter home. 41 is the age at which most Americans sell, I'm sorry, buy their biggest home. All right? So boomers, 46 to 64, can go check, check. Let's look ahead. This is the information that nobody shares. They don't pay for independent research. I guess nobody looks. But the data's there. 78 is the age at which most people sell their homes. Period. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you tell, and then let's look at it like this. If, it, if the economy is really a function of people, and I'm going to submit primarily it is, particularly in this country, 70% of spending, then um, you know we want to recognize when there are tailwinds and when there are headwinds to any investment vehicle, and we cannot afford to be emotionally attached because things go awry. And, and so if we go back to history, the best example I can find would be the Great Depression. And, and let's just pause there for a moment to say that um, – on a per capita basis, more Americans became millionaires as a result of the Great Depression than any other time in history. So maybe that's where cash is king comes from, because if you have cash instead of equity, uh, whatever that equity might be, you have the cash, you can step up and buy what you want uh, uh residents uh, commercial property uh, stocks uh, companies for 30 40 50 60 cents on the dollar that's where GM came from they bought up personally held co- companies these were family-owned businesses so that's the good news about quote uh, a great depression but the numbers are these are the numbers in terms of the stock market and in terms of real estate let's suppose you're an adult 1929 or so and you had a million dollars in stocks and a million dollars in real Estate. And then two years later, approximately 24 months, Bill, in both cases, the stocks were off 89%. That means what was a million dollars is suddenly 108,000. I'm sorry? (laughs) What? Right. (laughs) 108? Uh, Right. And for my buy and hold crowd, yes, you got back to even in 20 years. We'll come back to that right. in a second. Right. In 20 years. Okay. <laughs> now, let's talk about New York real estate. Always a great place to buy real estate, right? Well, I can find sources that suggest that New York real estate prices, at the same time the market was down 89%, was off 69%. So, wait a minute. Let's do that math. Wait. A million in the stock market went to 100. The real estate went from a million to um, minus, we'll, we'll say, six hundred, seven hundred thousand. 700,000. So, you have what? Let's use the high number, 400,000. So you had 2 million, now you're left with 500,000. Really? Ouch. Have a nice day? Yeah. And, and <laughs> in the case of the real estate, it took what? My sources suggest 44 decades, 40 years for New York real estate to fully recover. Four decades. Now, here's the last piece of the puzzle. <laughs> Let's just recognize if you're an adult, early 1900s, what was the average lifespan? Well, that would be about 57. So Mm -hmm, that means you went from who's who, right, to who's he, and you died or she, and you died with regret long before you saw a full recovery in your in whatever real estate you had and whatever stocks you own in in the Dow at that time. So that's my point. Let's let's look at that scenario and 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 imagine you know that uh, hypothetically, if that were to happen again, could I live with it? If you can live with it, you're good. If you can't, you might want to see where you can limit the losses so that you can keep the account value intact, and that way you don't run out of money before you run out of time.
0: John, always great to talk with you. You bring up so many great ideas, and you explain it so great, so wonderfully. Uh, When our listeners are are looking for uh, help from you or someone like you, what's the first step, and how's the best way for them to get in touch with you?
1: Well, you know, uh, Bill, I I think the first step is really this question. Let's just say it like this. I've only been in the business for 40 years, and so I qualify to apologize for my peers. And one of the things that we've conveyed, I think, very well is buy and hold no matter what, no matter what happens. And I'm saying, well, that's true when you don't need the money or when you can continue making withdrawals. But when you're starting to take withdrawals, either because you have to, required minimum distributions from traditional retirement accounts, or you Mm -hmm. want to, right  – I mean, if we go back to 08, and let's suppose you had a million dollars, you retired, and the market took away 57%. On top of that, you needed $30,000 as simply a 3% withdrawal on, on a million. That's pretty reasonable. Well, that means your $1 million is now a little light of $600,000. And now you have to start the next year with 400000 Sound like fun? Uh That means you need 150% (laughs) gain just to get back to even. So what we have set up is the the use of technology on our website, for example, where folks can just kind of ask themselves, we prompt them with the questions so that you can see what kind of loss can you accept. Is it 8%? Is it 40%? We want you to see it in in dollar terms. We want you to see it in percentages. And then, as I say, go back to see what the current portfolio did, because sometimes it exceeded investors' expectations to the downside. And then the last piece of the puzzle is, geez, let's see what we can design so that we could see how it held up maybe better in fourth quarter 18, 2008. If it held up better during those times, it might hold up better than the next time as opposed to just, say, hold and hope, sit and take it, stocks for the long haul, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So it starts with it starts with um, examining alternatives, asking questions, um, you
1: know, basically
0: it, yeah. it, giving you a call or yeah. getting in touch with you. What's the best way for our listeners to get in touch with you?
1: Well, our, you know, certainly can call us. That's uh, 805-495-2077. And then YBPOR, dot rcom is our site. And if you, if you go there and look at Riskometer, uh, that the first part of it, you click on that in the first half, I give two paragraphs on what the market I think is doing. And then below that you're asked uh, questions about how much loss you could accept. And it gives the the the, the investors the ability to really look at each other and, and really assess what, uh, what do we think, <laughs> you know, because if it's, if it, if we're just talking about, I'm a moderate conservative or aggressive investor, what does that mean? Nobody knows. What's more important is to say, Hey, uh, I, I see we, we were down 42%. I don't want to do that again. I want to be down I'm happy to be down 8. I think I can deal with that. But if it gets beyond that, I may not be a very happy camper. <laughs> so, uh yeah, that's the the using the technology uh and it's vastly different than just grouping people as moderate conservative or aggressive, which as I say for the most part, right. you don't understand neither do I and nobody else does either.
0: Yeah, this is uh this is not uh the same economy that we're we're used to looking at. I mean, things do come around in cycles. But uh, you know, if you're if you're concerned, if you're wondering, you know, is this market going to uh, take some turns? It might be time to take a look at your asset allocation and talk to someone. Um, certainly, uh, John is a good candidate for that. John Grace and John, really appreciate you coming on. And again, the number is eight zero five four nine five two zero seven seven or check out the website like I am right now at whybpoor.com a lot of great tools and advice there and again it can start a, a conversation with uh, someone who can really help you figure out what the future is going to look like for you and whether you're going to regret that, regret not making a decision or uh, really be excited about some of the changes that maybe uh, someone like John suggests so John I appreciate <laughs> well, you you might not on. Thanks, get man. excited
1: my pleasure, Bill. But let's not be complacent. <laughs> well, like you said, I
0: mean, you know, let's not be complacent. If uh, if you if you do something now, you you might be, you know, we we never know if the market's going to find new highs tomorrow or just fall out fall out of the sky. It's it's been like that for a little while, and I think we're we're all starting to wonder with um, some of the uh, economic news and the wild swings the last couple weeks. You know, whether this is a good time to take chips off the table, and a lot of that rests with the investor themselves, right? Their sleep factor, whether <laughs> exactly. they can sleep at night.
1: Absolutely. John, I really appreciate and, and let's you just taking the time again. The, the world is slowing. So, my pleasure, Bill. Yeah. to chat with you.
0: Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio.